Stay with me. I'm not going to tell you until the very end of it, so just hang on. That way you have to stay here. If you will, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, and then 1 John 2, 1 through 2. And I'm going to ask you, as we always do, if you would, to stand with me as we read God's Word together. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, and then chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, And he himself is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us as we come to open your word now. Lord, we just ask that you would just be with each word that's spoken, each thought that's portrayed. Lord, just let it be your thoughts. Lord, guide us in this time. Be with us in a very special way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to deal with a subject today that's troubled me over the past few months, and I refer to the matter of people who profess the Lord Jesus Christ, that you were to ask them on the street, are you a Christian, and they'd say yes. But in their daily walk, they give no indication whatsoever that they're truly one of God's. That's a very common problem. And guess what? We even have it in this church. Now, I don't know how many members we've got in this church, but I would safely say if you were to go to the rolls and look at each, how many numbers, how many people are on the list, probably be close to 500 people. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been here three years, and some of them I've never even seen, had never even heard of them for that matter. And probably some of you too, hadn't seen them at least in a long time. What is the deal with, how do we get to that point? They give no indication by their daily lives that they are truly born again. They give no indication by their daily lives that they're really a child of God. But if you were to ask them, oh, yes, I'm a member of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church or some other church. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I know that without a doubt. But yet there's no indication of it. Did you hear the verses we just read? I mean, Jesus says that's not possible. If you're truly a child of God, now I know there's circumstances, so bear with me. We'll get those in a few minutes. But there's people that just get out of God's work. In fact, let's just use this scenario. Probably you've seen it time and time again. Somebody will come, maybe a, a young couple, and join this church, and boy, they're on fire for God, and they just you know, jump in and j- help us in every way they can and all these kind of things. And a little bit later, they begin to miss maybe a s- Sunday night service. Maybe then start missing all the time on Sunday nights. And then before long, maybe it's Sunday morning. Well, we'll just go to Sunday school and go home. We've got things to do this afternoon. Or things of this nature. Now, I'm not... I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just telling you how it works. But before long, we look up and they're totally out of the church. They've totally lost the fellowship of God. They've totally lost what God specifically tells us we need to do. I'm sure that as I I talk, you'll be able to think of somebody that falls in this category. Maybe not at this church. Maybe a church you've been in the past or whatever it is. It just there's always something. Then something took place in their lives, and they begin to drift away, we call it. They're just not as regular as they used to be. And if you watch their lives, 
all of a sudden their attendance became erratic, and finally they dropped out altogether. I say that we've probably all seen it because we've probably all been there at one time in our lives. I've shared with you the story back when I was a young Christian. Uh, we were, I was leading music and teaching youth classes and so forth. Judy and I were. And we had a, let me word it the right way. We had one of those, you've heard about those deacon fights. And it, it, was, it was not a good one. And I sat back on the back row this one Sunday afternoon. We had our business meetings of the afternoon before the evening service. And we had a whole row of teenagers there with us. And this almost came to blows inside the sanctuary. We left. And I, 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 I know you don't believe this, but used to I was pretty hot-tempered. And on the way home, I, I told Judy, he said, that's it. I've had it. I'm not going back. And I didn't. For over a year, we had one son at the time. Judy would get up every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and take Shane to church with her every day. And I think she did just irritate me. She'd say, you going to go with us today? Nope, sure not. I've had it. And I stayed out for over a year. But let me tell you something. God got my attention. And he got in a way that I knew he was speaking to me. And the day came when I went back down that little church, walked down the aisle, and gave my life. I told God, if you'll let if you'll give me another chance, you won't be able to get rid of me. And he never has. But there's people that ha- it happens all the time. We see that happen. Now, if you were to ask some of these about coming to church, some of them have no intent to return to church. They were hurt. Maybe somebody said something. Maybe somebody hurt their feelings. Guess what? That happens in church. But let me let you know a little secret. If that's why you stay home from church and Quit going to Walmart because people will hurt your feelings there too. Or wherever else it is. We have people. We're all people. We're going to hurt each other's feelings sometimes. Maybe not intentionally, but it's going to happen. You know how I know that for a fact? If you get more than one person together, you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. And it's going to happen. Why is that we Christians are so offended when somebody says something to us? Well, it may hurt. It may be hurtful. But we need to get over it. Our Word of God tells us that we're to forgive each other. We're to go to that person if I've got a problem problem with them and talk about it and work it out. And that's exactly what this is this story is about. And again, I know you've never heard the story of the prodigal pig, but you're fixing to. So just bear with me. You'll, we'll get there in a minute. If you were to ask some of these about people about coming back to church, they have no intent to return. Some of them are even hostile and openly antagonistic toward the church nowadays. But if you'd ask them, are you born-again believer? Absolutely I am. Folks, I don't think you can be that far out and be part of God's house at the same time. Watch what we say here. What about these kind of people? Are they really saved? If they died, would they go to heaven? There are multitudes of people who belong to the Baptist, the Methodist, the Presbyterian, the Pentecostal, the Church of Christ, whatever it may be, every one of our denominations that are this kind of people. Their names are on the rolls, but they give no indication of being what they say they are. I wonder what happened, what would happen if one Sunday everybody on our church rolls showed up for church. First of all, there wouldn't be enough chairs in here. 
I can assure you that. And these are people that, if you ask them on the street, oh, yes, I'm a member of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Then why are they not coming to church? Why are they not supportive of God's house? Why have they got so far off? And there's many different things. The Bible, in the Bible, there are two different relationships which the Christian has to God that are vitally very, very important. And I think this is the key to the whole thing myself. These two relationships, one of two. If you're here this morning, you have one of these two relationships if you say you're a member of this church, if you say you're a Christian. You have one of these. The first matter is, is the, the first is the matter of being in the family of God. And then the second one is being in the fellowship with God. And what's the difference? There's a whole lot of difference. You can be a member of this church and die and go to hell. Wait a minute. I thought it's, if I was my Baptist, I'm covered. No, ma'am. Are you in the right attitude of God? Do you hear what this is being said? Number one, being in the family of God. When we talk to a person being a child of God, when we say to a man, and I know it's a Baptist term, but it's also a biblical term, are you born again? Are you saved? That's, I had a lady one time, and she just happened to be from the Methodist church. In fact, I was going to do a, her son's. Is that mine? No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, it's... Uh, I had this lady that was, her son had been killed. In fact, I've told you a story about the young man that committed suicide. This was his mother. And she, was a, she was a good Methodist. I mean, she was a nice lady and everything else. But uh, before the wedding, she said, now, he, they had, his wife had asked me to do the, the young man's wife had asked me to do the funeral. And she came up to me and she said, now, I want to get something clear. She said, I don't want you talking about being saved because that's Baptist stuff. I didn't tell her because it wasn't the scene where we should have, but I wanted to say, no, ma'am, that's God's stuff. I don't care if you're a Methodist or Pentecostal or whatever you may be. If you're not a child of God, if God's not your Savior, then you're not going to heaven. You can holler it all you want to, but it's not going to happen. Anyway, let's move along. He is born again. He's in the family of God. But just because a person professes to be a Christian is not proof positive that that person is a child of good, a child of God. Profession does not prove possession. Just because you know the words to say, just because you know the things that you've heard in church or in Sunday school or ladies' ministry or wherever it may be, you know the things that sounds good and you know how to say them. That does not guarantee you that you're really a child of God. You could pretend to be my son. You could you could say that you're my son. You could just you know talk like we're related. But in reality, there's only two young men on the face of this earth that are literally my sons. And so the same thing, we can talk about being God's child all we want to, but unless we've gone through the steps and see what it's all about, you're not one of God's childs. If I thought God loved everybody, God does love everybody, but he also provided a provision for you. It's called Jesus Christ. And that's a very serious thing. <clears throat> but there's only two young men on the face of this planet that could literally call themselves my sons. And there's no more. Likewise, mere church membership does not prove that a person is in the family of God. Just because you join a church 
Being a Baptist will not get you to heaven, folks. It doesn't matter how many times you come. You can be a Baptist every day. You can come up here during the week and sit in that seat and just reminisce. But that doesn't qualify you to be a child of God. In order to be a child of God, there has to be something that takes place in each one of our lives. And if this hasn't happened to you, and by the way, this is not my idea. This is God saying it. So let me be clear about that. Billy Graham some years ago said, The greatest mission field in America is on the church rolls of our churches today. Now think about that statement. The greatest mission field in America is on the church rolls of our churches. In other words, there are many people, and every church I've ever been at, every church I've ever spoken at, every church I've ever been associated with has some. So I guarantee you, Robertson Avenue Baptist Church does too. There's people that come here every week, and they're convinced they're a child of God, but the fact of the matter is they're not. Well, how can you come and sit under the preaching? How can you come and sit under the singing and learn the songs and sing the songs and all the things that happen? How can you do that without being a child of God? Because God doesn't bless the people. God blesses the message. I've got a friend. We grew up together. In fact, he uh, entered the ministry about the same time I did. He was a little ahead of me. And it's, uh, so we, we've known each other, went to church with each other, did a lot of things together. His brother was telling me the story not too many years ago, and that's been several years ago now. But anyway, he said that one Sunday morning while he was preaching a service at a, I believe he was doing a revival if my memory serves right, at a revival, telling people how to be saved, at the end of the service, he called one of the deacons and said, can you come up for a minute? And he said, God just convicted me. I've never been saved. How can that happen? I mean, here's somebody that's standing before you and preaching God's Word. How can it happen that he doesn't have it? Because we can put on fronts. We can act the part. We can play the role. We can do all things that's necessary to do. But, folks, there's some things that you've got to do or you're not a child of God. And this scares me because these people are on a fast route to splitting hell wide open. And yet they think... They're on the right path. Do you know what's even worse than not being a Christian is to be thinking you are a Christian and not one in reality? The story of the ten virgins in the New Testament, that's exactly what that's about. They thought they were prepared. They thought they were ready for the wedding. They thought they were all dressed up the way they need to be. They thought that everything was just the way it should be. But Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. And that's a picture for us that be careful because it happens quite often. Let's move ahead. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, uh, 22 and 23, that there would be a day when men would stand before the Lord and they would say, this is that passage I just talked about, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied, have, excuse me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name done many wonderful works? And the Lord will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Wait a minute. He just got through saying, here's people that do the work of God. They go out and visit people. They tell people about the church. They do all these things. And one day when they stand before God, God's going to say, I don't know who you are. You're not one of mine. Talk about a bad situation. 
And that's why I think it's been bothering me so much because there's, there's people all around that are in this category, if you will. People that profess to be saved and yet they do not possess salvation in their own hearts. Some people say, well, I've been a church member for a number of years. My name's on the church roll. I was religious, yet I really did not know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I just shared with you a friend of mine. Now, he's since passed away, so he's not alive anymore, but he was a preacher. He went around doing revivals. And one night during the revival, God's Spirit hit him. He said, well, that would have been sort of embarrassing, wouldn't it? No. If you wake up this morning and find out you're not part of God's family, the greatest thing you can do is get yourself down here and become one of them. Because there's not a person in this room can guarantee me you'll be back next Sunday. Because we don't know what this world holds. Yes, it's an important situation. Now, God himself is the only one who actually knows whether or not a person has been saved or not. God knows our hearts. God knows our relationship to him. And we cannot fool the Lord Jesus Christ about it. He knows who we are. I look out here and I think, well, all these people, they've got to be good Baptist people. I mean, they're here every week. But I don't know you in that way. I can't see what's inside your heart. I can't see what you're dealing with. I can't see what issues you have. But God can. And God says there will come a time when each one of us will stand before him and he'll say to some, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't think I've shared this before. If I have, I apologize. But some years ago when we were in the Bonham area, and, we, of course, Bonham had not big enough to have a hospital, so we had to, most people went to Dallas or Plano or somewhere to you know, be in a hospital. And I was down there visiting somebody this, at a hospital one time, and on the way back I stopped at a place, and I don't know if you all are having around, Poncho's Mexican Buffet. Do you all know what that is? All right, okay. So you all have had if there's one down here, let me know where it's at. But it's anyway. But it's I pulled in there. It's about noontime. Walked in, and of course you go through this line. You get your tray and go get a table. I walked in, looked around. There wasn't a seat. Well, wasn't a table empty anywhere around. This great big old guy. I mean, I'm talking about big guy was sitting at the table. And he just happened to be sort of where I came out, and he. I guess he saw me look around. He says, "You want to sit here?" I said, "Well, sure." And I thought, who is this big guy? He's, he's huge. I mean, this guy is something else. We sat there for about 30 minutes. Now, he was finished and eating, but just a nice guy. We talked and everything, and when he got up to leave, he says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Randy White of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sitting at the table just, you know, here I've been talking to Randy White, and a nice guy. Now, here's the point of that little story. If you were to ask Randy White if he knows me, he wouldn't know me from Adam. But I guarantee I knew Randy White because I knew who he was. You see what God's saying to us? God knows who is true and who's not. God knows who's real. You can fake all you want to. You can do all the other things. You can act like it. I could go around telling everybody, well, and it's true. I met Randy White. Me and him are good friends. We talked for 30 minutes. But if you were to ask Randy White, he wouldn't have a clue who I am. Oh, he might remember me. I doubt it, but it just. <laughs> but sometimes that's the way we do God. We look at situations. Well, I know who God is. I sing songs about him. I'm in the choir. But do you really know him in a real way? Let's move along. The Bible teaches that there's only one way to get into God's family. 
I know that you'll hear people say, well, there's other ways. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter which church you go to. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, what you are, just as long as you believe in God. There's a good Greek word for that. It's called baloney. The first step to salvation is to admit that you are a sinner and that you need to be saved. Have you ever seen yourself as a sinner? Well, I'm a pretty good guy. I mean, I, I try to do right and be right around people, but I'm just pretty good. But that's not what the Bible said. Have you ever sinned in your life? And every one of us would have to admit, well, absolutely. Because of not a one of us that haven't. In fact, I'd safely say that every one in this room does it on a daily basis. Every single one, myself included, probably more times than the rest of you added together. But Jesus says, if you'll confess me, I'll forgive you. And that's what is so important. Stay with me a little bit. There has to be conviction of sin. And then there must be repentance of sin. Luke chapter 13, verse 3 says, Except you repeat, re, excuse me, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What does that mean? You're not one of His. Some people say things like, well, well, I know that God knows I'm a sinner, but so why should I have to tell God that I'm a sinner if He already knows it? Because it's for you. You need to get it off your heart. You need to confess it. You're right. God knows you're a sinner. God knows that we don't deserve heaven. There's not a person in this room that deserves to go to heaven. God sent Jesus to the earth for the purpose of dying on the cross and all God wants out of us is to come to Him and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to get a guilt-free life. If you're in the family, of, if you're in God's family, there will be natural desire to see others come into the family. Do you desire to see people? Do you get excited when we have somebody baptized? Now, come on, don't just say it because it's the right thing to say. Do you really? Do you get excited when you see somebody, a teenager, come down and get saved? Do you get excited when you see a visitors with us? Hey, we can get them. Now they're going to be scared to death. <laughs> Do you get excited when you see people come to church, join the Sunday school class, begin to want to teach a class, begin to teach Bible school or whatever it may be going on? Do you get excited when you see the ladies' class growing and seeing more ladies come and be a part of it? That's the signs we're looking for. That's the signs that you need to have in your life. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the first step in everyone in this room. If you haven't done that, you're not a child of God. It's just that simple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to get a guilt-free life. Take the guilt off of me. If you're in God's family, there will be a natural desire to see others come into the family. Let me ask you, do you get excited when somebody comes into the family of God? Really? And don't just, don't just shake your head. Do you really? Wow, there's another soul that's saved. Are you in the family of God? Is there any evidence that you're in the family of God? The second thing we see, see that's being in the family of God. But the second thing is being in the fellowship with God. 
Now, the first one probably didn't cover a whole lot of us in this room. Might have, might have got one or two, but it didn't cover a lot of us. But this one covers every single one of us. Listen to what this one says. Being in the fellowship of God. Again, there must be a distinction between the family of God and being in the fellowship of God. If you're in God's family, you're there for good. Once you get saved, you're, you don't have to worry about it. Your ticket's already punched to heaven. Let's just say that somebody came in this morning and got saved. Their ticket would they'd be assured of heaven by God's word, and God hadn't lied yet, that you're one day going to heaven. You say, that means I could come down and get saved and go out and live the way I want to. Yeah, it sure does. But the difference is, if you really get saved, you won't want to anymore. That's where the difference is. Yeah, you could do that. But if God really moved in your life, there's going to be a difference in your heart. I've said it a hundred times. I'll continue saying it. If your life has not changed since you got saved, something's wrong with your salvation. I don't care how long you've been a member of this church or anywhere else for that matter. When Jesus Christ comes in your heart, it changes you. He will change your life. If you wasn't changed, something's wrong. You better do some checking. Let's move along. Psalms chapter 66 verse 12 says, If I regard iniquity, that's sin, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Wait a minute. You just said if we pray that prayer, God will save us. He's not talking to first-time people. He's talking to you and I now. He says, if I, regard, if, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Do you know what that's saying? If you have sin in your life on a regular basis today and, you're a, and you are a child of God, you might as well quit praying because it doesn't do a bit of good until you get that sin out of your life. And then God hears it. Not my words, God's. Listen to this. Psalm 66, verse 12. If I have sin in my life, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You can pray until you're blue in the face, and it's not going to do a bit of good until you get down and confess it and get it out of your system. That's the fellowship of God. Did you realize that as Christians, we don't have to sin anymore? This, I thought about this some time ago, and it just when I thought about it, it just blows my mind. Jesus Christ, what he did for us, did everything that we need to be a child of God. I do not have to sin anymore. Now, I got a little surprise for you. I will. Maybe not because I want to, but I do things because I'm human nature. I will sin. But that's the good part. Christians don't have to sin. Adequate provision has been made in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ that the Christian does not have to live in sin. What's those provisions? That we confess our sins on a daily basis and clean out the channels. Because when those sins are blocking us, we have no prayer life. We have no devotional life. I don't care how many devotions you read, you have, it doesn't register with you. We have no power in our lives. When we allow sin to be in our lives ruling us. Look at Lot, the man named Lot in Second Peter chapter two. Listen to what it says. Let me just turn to it. Second Peter chapter two. 
just a second. Second Peter chapter 2. The Bible tells us, first of all, that Lot was a righteous man, a just man. Lot was saved is what the Word of God just said. Yet the time came in Lot's life when he, the Bible calls it, pitched his tent towards Sodom. You remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? He put his eyes on the things of this world instead of on God, in other words. Now, we just said he was a saved man. Did he lose his salvation? No, you can't do that. You know what he lost? The fellowship with God. And I believe that's where you find a lot of Christian people today. Because of sin in their life, they've lost the fellowship with God. And folks, we need God's fellowship on a regular basis. But watch what else takes place. He put his eyes on the things of this world instead of on God. He got more interested in materialism, in making a living, and in the things of this world. The Bible says that Lot became miserable, a miserable man. He was, and this is the Bible, vexed his soul day, and day by day with unrighteous conversation and deeds of the people. Here Lot was, one of the characters in the Bible. And he took his eyes off God. And began to associate with making money and making fame and all the things that go into life. And he lost sight of God. The very thing that got him where he was. Doesn't that sound like a lot of Christian people today? They may still be in the church. But they've lost their prayer power. They've lost their witnessing power. They've lost their influence power. Because they're no longer in fellowship with God. He was a Christian but he got out, got out of fellowship with God. Another character, old David in the Old Testament. David, the man that the Bible itself called David a man after God's own heart. Yet there was a time when David's idle time got him into trouble. In a moan of lust, he committed a terrible sin of adultery. Then he proceeded to allow lying and hypocrisy in his life. Here's David, the King David. The great warrior of the past. The greatest king to this day in Israel's history. Because he was a leader of God's people. And yet now we find him broken. He thought he was successful in covering up his sin. But one day God sent a little prophet, a preacher. He said, I want you to go talk to David. Nathan went, and remember this is the king. I mean, it's not like talking to you and me. This is the king. He walked into David's chamber and said, David, I need to talk to you a minute. we got a problem. So we've got a man in our community, and you won't believe what he did. He had one. He went to this man that had one little lamb. He had hundreds and thousands of lambs, but he went to this man that had one lamb, and he took that lamb from him, and he used that lamb. The Bible says David was so furious. He said, who is this man? I'll have him put to death. And Nathan, I think, must have taken his long index finger, reached up and put it around the tip of his nose, says, David, you are the man. And all of a sudden, David realized, I didn't get away with it. I didn't get away with it. And David's life was almost crushed. In fact, a little bit later, we read this story in the Bible. The agony of David as his, as his little child is gasping for breath and struggling for life. And David realizes that child is going to die because of his sin. 
David, the man of God, saved, born again, on his knees, pleading with God for his child. In fact, the message comes to David that the baby has died. Folks, that's a picture of a Christian who's in the family of God but has turned his back on God. That's serious business. It's dangerous for a Christian to be out of fellowship with God. Not out of the family. David was a true, he was born again believer, just like we believe. He was born again. He was everything that he needed to be as far as his Christian life. But he got away from God. He lost the fellowship. And look at the hurt it caused him. For you to be as a child of God is more serious than for a man that never has been saved. God will deal with you personally. He will say, Thou art the man. Look what you've done. Now, when God speaks to you about your sin, you have two choices. Number one, you can cover up, cover up your sin and do nothing, or you can get on your knees and confess it. That's the options we have. You've covered your sin. You're going to be miserable. Hebrews 12, verse 6 says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chastised. You say, well, that's not true because I've hid my sin all these years and God's never done anything to me. Oh, but just wait. A holy God cannot allow sin to come into heaven, so you can't take it with you. God's going to correct it one of these days. The second alternative, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That doesn't mean you drop on your knee and say, sorry, Lord, forgive me. That means your real heartfelt confession, Lord, I've messed up. You need to take this away from me. And then God says, I'll do it. The best experience that you can have in life of a backsliding person is to get back in fellowship with God. Now, that's the introduction. Now for the sermon today. These folks lived openly flagrant lives. Are you really saved this morning? Seriously? The story of the prodigal son may give us some direction. Now you've heard the story of the prodigal son probably all of your lives, most of you anyway. You know exactly what it's about and so forth. But I want to add another part to it this morning. The prodigal pig. Now, there's no story in the Bible about a prodigal pig. Oh, but I beg to differ with you. I beg to show you a little bit different this morning. Stay with me for just a few moments as we wrap this up. I can picture old David, uh, not David, the prodigal son, as he's away from home, remember he left home and spent all he had, and he's eating out of the pig pen now and all this kind of stuff. And I can imagine him sitting on that fence one day, hungry, starving to death, has nothing to eat but the slop that the pigs eat. I mean, he was just in a miserable situation. And all of a sudden the Bible says, and he came to himself. He says, you know, my dad has all those servants. He has cattle. He has pigs. He has horses. He has everything. And here I am sitting on the side of a pig pen eating pig slop i think i'm going to rise up and go to my father he probably won't take me back because i'm so crazy what i've done but he says i'm gonna go and just beg him to make me one of his servants he starts that long journey home and i don't know why it is but i've always pictured that old man his dad Every night after dinner, he may walk on the hill outside on the hillside and had a little picket fence around his house. And he stops there and he puts his foot up on there and starts watching way down the road. Nothing, 
Night after night after night, nothing. One night, one afternoon, he's looking down the road. He sees something way off in the distance. And he says, what is that? Who is that? That gate looks familiar. As he walks, as he strides, he gets closer. And he says, it can't be. Surely it's not. And he watches that figure walk as he gets closer and closer. And all of a sudden, that old dad gets excited. That's my son. He's coming home. He's coming back. He runs to the house, tells mom, says, Mom, guess who's coming? Look down here. Who it is? They ride that fence, and all oh, they're so excited to see him coming back. He comes back, and his dad prepared a tunic for him. He has everything ready. Oh, he's so excited. But there was also a pig came with him. One of the pigs decided he's going to go back and live in the house with them. That old pig comes back, and same thing. Boy, they got received with welcome arms and so forth. And That night, that young man gets in his bed. That pig just crawls up there with him, goes to sleep. But that pig all night long was rolling and so forth, just couldn't get comfortable. Let me read the story to you. It's in Second Peter. Chapter 2, verse 20, I'm sorry. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than beginning. For it would have been better, far better off for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to know it, it, to turn from the holy commandments and deliver them. He just told us that. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his vomit, a sow, having washed, returns to her wallowing in the mud. Now, I want to close this by asking you something real quick. Here's the message. If you're God's son, if you're a son of God, if you're a child of God, sooner or later, you're going to return to your father's house and say, God, I'm sorry. If you're a pig, sooner or later, you're going to return to what you like most. And the question this morning is, which one are you really? Let's stand this morning. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. And Lord, we come to close this service. Lord, I don't know there's anybody in this room that's in this situation, but Lord, I do know that you've just put this on my heart the last few months, seems like. And Lord, I just pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds. That Lord, we're number one, we're in the family of God. But number two, we need to be in the fellowship of God. And, Lord, sin can separate us. Tempers and things can separate us from God. Lord, don't let that happen. Draw us together as we unite in this church to build this church the way you want it to be. Not what we can do, but what you can do. Lord, just open our hearts to let us look at ourselves. Paul said, examine yourselves to be sure you're in the faith. Lord, I believe there's people in the churches all across this area that today are standing just like these folks are here that look at themselves and realize I'm not what I claim to be. Lord, if there be anyone in this room today, don't let these doors close and they've had an opportunity to come to know you in a real way. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. Our deacons will be at the side here. They'll be glad to talk to anybody that needs to talk about anything.
Lord, open our hearts. And Lord, let us see ourselves the way you see us. Are we children of God? Are we just pigs wanting to wall in the mud? Look at us. Let us know. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.